He's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship. As he is a good God. I'm grateful for His redemption. I'm grateful for His blood. I'm, th- I'm grateful that I've been bought, that I, have, I belong to Him, that He is my Savior, my healer, my deliverer, my strength, my rock, my high tower, that He is good all the time. I'm blessed and highly favored, and as David says, I can't help it. Come on now. I want everybody to know in here this morning, you were born to win. You were born to overcome. You were born to be a conqueror by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we do have a reason to rejoice today. I will rejoice. I will make the decision today to rejoice. Amen. You know, in the Hebrew, the word rejoice means to jump up and spin around wildly. I saw a few folks doing that up here with guitars. Come on now. When people with guitars can spin around, we should be doing some spinning, folks. Amen. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will jump up and spin around wildly. Amen. Because he's made me glad. He has made me glad. Amen. It's good to see you back, Kevin. We're glad to, uh, glad to have you back with us. Amen. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's always an asset to what happens up here on the stage and what happens in this church as a whole. And I'm grateful for him and uh, Paula and their, their commitment to the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I did. I, came, I just came out of revival over in Keith. Uh, yeah, when was the accident? Thursday night? Thursday evening? We prayed over. There was some folks that uh, were in an accident on Route 94. They had to close it down. So uh, the uh, son-in-law of the pastor happened to be working in the area. He called and said, hey, Mark, I know a way over the mountain through Slaughter Creek. And so uh, I met him at Kroger and Marmette, and we drove over the mountain through Slaughter Creek, uh, past coal trucks about the size of this church, and... Uh, came out over an ore gas right there by White Oak Church, and I was like, where are we? Uh, but we had, uh, he and I, Stephen and I, had such a good conversation on the way over, I didn't even really recognize how long it took, so, uh, but God showed up, and we had a great time, we had a great time this past week, so I appreciate uh, the prayers, and, and uh, remember me in prayer, and, and all that, the Lord, the Lord always blesses, and I'm grateful for that, uh, I can't do it, don't want to do it without him, so um, thankful for his presence in Jesus' name. Man, we've got so much stuff coming up, I uh, can't even keep track of it. So the next two Wednesdays, I know sometimes when we don't have uh, lessons, uh, people may not show up, but I'm, I'm challenging you, show up uh, these next two Wednesdays. If you don't, uh, come and support the Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, come and support the cake auction. I know, you know, kind of uh, we end up raising quite a bit of money, and it and helps us uh, bless a lot of people during the holidays, and that's what we want to be. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want to be a blessing to the people around us. We want to be the extension of God's love and grace and compassion and mercy. So come. It's a lot of fun anyway. You can come and, and, and uh, we'll still eat on the cake auction. All right, we'll still eat food. Now this Wednesday, you just come and eat what's been provided. Uh, and so you can come. Starts at 6.30, right? Wednesday? St- starts at 6. What's written down? Chris wrote down 6.30. That's what's on the flyer. Chris would know. Chris flows in the spirit of discernment and information. Amen. So come, you can come at 6.30 or any time in that area and uh, eat and hang out and fellowship. You'll have a great time. And in the cake auction, it'll be a lot of fun. It's a good time to fellowship. It's a good time for you to lose money so that we can give it to other people. But you go home with a fantastic cake or pumpkin roll or biscuit, something cookie or whatever it is that Ryan Long creates you'll go home with that 
I don't know why it is the Ryan Long cake. It's going to be the last thing we auction off. If you make anything, Ryan. I'm starting. <laughs> I may very well start at $50 for Ryan Long's cake, whatever it is he makes. <laughs> A minimum 50 Amen. Man, it feels good to be in the house. It feels good to worship the Lord. So uh, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, how grateful we are uh, for your presence, for your love towards us. Thank you so much for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of all sin. Thank you for that name, that name that we can speak in times of trouble, and that, Lord, it, you rescue us and empower us. Thank you now for the word of God. We give preeminence to your word. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would plant your seed in us. May you be glorified as we live out this word. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning, uh, reading verse 15. We read this passage last week, but we want to focus on again this week. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So this week, I want to uh, share a message with you that I've entitled, The Offering of Praise. Uh, this is Thanksgiving month. And because it's Thanksgiving month, we have been focusing a little bit on praise and worship and thanksgiving. Uh, that's why for the last two Sunday evenings, we've been having a worship and prayer service. Last Sunday night was awesome. We had a wonderful time uh, in the presence of God. Uh, good prayer time, uh, good worship, good focus on the Lord. And so we invite you to come out and be with us again tonight, 6.30. I know that you will be blessed in Jesus' name. And so we want to talk a little bit about worship, a little bit about praise, and what that offering of praise looks like. Now, I want to start out with a question. Nobody necessarily has to answer it, but uh, what do you bring to church? Now, when I think about that, in some cases, most of us, obviously, we, uh, we bring purses, we bring wallets. Uh, some of us purposely leave our wallet at home. Come on now, come on. Purposely leave the, leave the cash at home. Come on now. Um, we bring our Bibles, uh, we bring mints, some of you are going through them right now, <laughs> right, gum, we all, bring, we all bring things to church, some of you, some of you literally have performed a miracle this morning by just bringing yourself to church, you made it, you made it to church this morning, and I, I need to point out that this morning Jeff Farrell came with jeans on, I just, with jeans and a sport jacket. He told me if the pastor can preach while wearing jeans, then he needs to come. That's what the anointing does to you right there, ladies and gentlemen. I told him I didn't know if the sanctuary could handle it. Love Jeff Farrell. He's such a gift to this church. What do you bring? What do you bring to church? Some of you bring your spouse. Some of you wish you left your spouse at home. Right. We bring a lot of things to church with us. But typically when we think about going to church, we think more along the lines of what we're going to get out of church. We go to church typically thinking, what am I going to receive when I get at church today? Whether we come expecting to hear some, something or hear an encouraging word, or whether we come to fellowship with other people, or whether we come to receive prayer, or whether we come just to assuage our own conscience for the week. I went to church. Right? Uh, this is not, and the thing is, it's not necessarily wrong to come to church, obviously, expecting 
something. We should all come expecting. We should all come anticipating that we can receive from God. God wants you to come that way. God wants you to come to church recognizing that if your faith is out there, he will meet you right where you are. If you came here this morning carrying burdens and carrying hurts, you don't have to leave here without casting them upon the Lord and believing that he's going to work in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you can come in this building today and get your prayers answered by God who answers prayer? You believe in a healing God, a delivering God. You believe in a God that sets us free, that forgives us of our sins and redeems us. You believe that this morning? You should come expecting. For a matter of fact, the reason why many times that the atmosphere gets affected in a negative way is because we come not expecting. We come not anticipating. You may not believe this, but you affect the atmosphere of this church. We put so much emphasis on the worship team setting the atmosphere, but the atmosphere was set by our expectation and anticipation when we walked in here this morning. When we walk in here believing, ho-hum, it's just another Sunday, just another service, we're just going to go through and sing some songs and Mark's going to scream at us. You know what we get out of church? You get church out, that's what you get out of church. We sang a few songs and then Mark yelled at me and I went home. I'm sorry that I yell. It's just the way I am. Amen. But we also have to realize that when we come to church, we should be bringing something with us. That when we come to church, we don't want to just be high-maintenance folks, right? Where it's gimme, 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 and I have nothing to give back. Don't point at anyone, but we've all got people in our lives that way, right? Come on. We spend a lot of our time and energy giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, and they never give back. We should come expecting to receive and to give. We should come anticipating God offering us grace. But we should also come with an attitude of being ready to offer what we can to God. To offer what we are willing to bring. To come into this place with the uh, idea that, Lord, I didn't just come here to receive. I came here to give. So normally when you hear the word offering, what do you think? Oh boy. Here comes the ushers with the trays. Right? Right? Come on, it's time for the offering. We're going to take up an offering. We all realize what that means in our minds. We understand that that's what we're normally talking about. Now, don't get me wrong, that surely is a type of offering. It's an offering that we should be willingly involved in. We should be willingly involved in giving financially to the kingdom of God because it needs money in order to function and operate. But offerings also include service. It also includes prayer, it also includes singing, and it includes praise. And this is what is the most important thing. Everything we offer and everything we bring should be an offering of praise. And that's why Pastor Don says many times as we go into the offering time or taking up the offering, he says, well, this is an extension of our worship service. Because in reality, everything we do should be an offering of praise. Every song that we sing, every prayer that we pray, every time we serve, whether it's in you children's ministry, whether we're serving in the nursery, whether we're serving bringing food in, whether we're serving by, by getting a name off the angel tree, whether we're serving by greeting people at the door, which I told Rick this morning, the folks at the door are called ushers, not conversers. He's, the anointing's too strong on that one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You're not getting by Rick without talking to him. <laughs> That's right. 
But everything we do, we do as a praise unto God. Am I right? Everything we do in this building today, we do as a praise unto God. Now here's the thing. The Old Testament saints understood the concept of offerings. They understood that the temple or the tabernacle was a place in which offerings were made. They understood that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was a means of grace by which the relationship between God and humanity was beginning to be restored. We understand that those sacrifices were never meant to actually save or redeem because they were not enough to cover the sins of people and change the heart of man. We needed the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world for our sins to be forgiven. But the Old Testament folks understood that offerings were a lifestyle before God. They weren't just events on the calendar. They were a lifestyle before God. The Old Testament had five main offerings. There were three that were voluntary. There were two that were mandatory. The three that were voluntary was the grain offering, the peace offering, and the burnt offering. And the two that were mandatory was the sin offering and the guilt or trespass offering. And these things were required in order for them to stand before the Lord guiltless and worship Him. Each one of them had a specific purpose, but they find their final fulfillment in the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And the offering that now gives us access to God is not the slaying of a lamb or the slaying of a goat or a slaying of the turtle dove. What gives us access to God is the eternal blood of Jesus Christ that gives us once and for all access to the throne room of God because our sins have been washed away by His grace in Jesus' name. This is the offering that paid our sin debt and makes a way for us to be made children of God. We were no longer, we're no longer based upon performance and activity and sin consciousness. We are now based upon the blood of Jesus, the grace of God. We are now based on righteousness consciousness because of the grace of God. As New Testament believers, we've lost some of the power of what it means to live an, oper- an offering type of lifestyle. We lose the recognition of how powerful the altar is in New Testament times. Do you realize that every Old Testament saint knew that when something goes to the altar, something dies? Anytime something goes to the altar, something's going to die. Blood's going to be shed. A life is going to end. Maybe we need to get back to that reality that every time we come to this altar, something needs to die. But Hebrews tells us that we should be bringing our offering of praise, how often? On a continual basis. Continually, we should be bringing an offering of praise. Ours should be an offering lifestyle. A continual offering of a sacrifice of praise. For a matter of fact, the entire book of Hebrews is about a new way of life and a new way of worship. A new way of life and a new way of worship. Previously, the Jews had been burdened with fulfilling the law. But by Jesus' sacrifice and death-defeating resurrection, Christ has now set us free from the impossible standards of the law of God. The law of God was meant to show us who we were without God. The law of God was meant to show us that we needed a Savior. But now, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus, all we bring is a sacrifice of praise because of what He did. This verse of Scripture said, Through Him we offer unto God the continual sacrifice of praise. Through whom? Through Jesus Christ. 
We come to God and offer our praise, our worship, our service, our thanksgiving because of what Jesus did at the cross and what he's done in our lives. It's all about Jesus, folks. Amen. So we bring, of all things, our praise to church. We bring our praise to church. But we also offer our sacrifice of praise on a continual basis. But why is praise a sacrifice? Why is praise a sacrifice? A sacrifice is costly. It isn't always easy. It demands a death. If you're bringing a sacrifice, it's never meant to be easy. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are times during service where praise is really easy. It's really easy. When you're going through good times in your life, when it seems like God is working in you, when you're having a good day, when you're smiling, when you feel good, it's easy to praise God. It's easy to lift a hand and praise but there are times that praise is not easy. There are times that thanksgiving is not easy. There are times that worship is not something that feels comfortable. And it's during those hard times. It is a gift that we give to God. Why? Because He's worthy. We don't give God praise because we feel like it. We don't give God praise because they sang our favorite song. We don't give God praise because we feel chill bumps. We give God praise because He's God. And He's worthy of my praise. And it becomes my sacrifice when I recognize that even when I'm going through hard times, even when I don't understand what God is doing, even when I don't understand why it's happening the way it's happening, even though I don't understand why I am where I am, I'm still going to lift my hands and praise God. In the middle of my prison, I'm going to be like Paul and Silas, and at midnight, when everybody else is complaining and whining, I'm going to sing praises unto God because he's worthy of my praise. Praise does become a sacrifice because it's not always easy. Now, praise obviously should come naturally to us because of who God is and because of what he's done. But when we recognize that God is worthy of our praise at, our, at all times, we sacrifice our own opportunities to complain, our own opportunities to retreat into discouragement and to retreat into fear. And instead, we decide to honor God. When we recognize that God is worthy at all times, we're giving up the opportunity, folks, to complain. We're giving up the opportunity to quit. We're giving up the opportunity to retreat into our own pain, discouragement, and distraction, but instead choosing to praise God. And this, folks, is our continual offering. This is our continual offering, that when we get up in the morning, He's worthy to be praised. And when we lay our head down at night, he's worthy to be praised. On the good days, he's worthy to be praised. On the bad days, he's worthy to be praised. And because of that, I will offer my a continual praise from the words of my mouth. Because he's worthy to be praised. So what do we offer God in praise? First of all, we offer acknowledgement. The phrase here in the King James Version that says giving thanks unto his name can also be translated acknowledge his name. That we will acknowledge his name. Now what is the root word for acknowledgement? The root word for acknowledge is the word knowledge. Faith begins with knowledge. Faith begins, as we've heard many times, faith begins where the will of God is known. When we know what the will of God is, then faith has something to put its feet upon. But it's not just faith that begins with knowledge. Praise and worship begins with knowledge. Why? Because it is a revelation of who God is that promotes all in our lives. And all leads to praise and worship. When we recognize who God is, 
When we recognize how big God is. When we recognize how good God is. When God gives us a revelation that He is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Provider, our Strong Tower, our Victory, our Banner, the one who covers us, the one who secures us, the one who keeps us, the one who blesses us. It brings all to our lives. What is man that you are mindful of us, O God? And because of that, we can sing, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. May you be glorified and praised. I'm not worthy of this goodness. I'm not worthy of his grace. I'm not worthy of his mercy. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I've been made worthy by that blood. And now I can sing praises to God. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I'm going to say so. All brings praise and worship. So when we know God, when we get a revelation of who God is, it brings an attitude of worship and praise. But acknowledgement also means that we recognize and declare our need for God. When we are acknowledging God, when the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. When you're saying, I am acknowledging you, God, That first of all means that we are recognizing the good things that God has done in our lives. To acknowledge God means that we are saying, God, I am grateful and thankful for what you have done and are going to do in my life. To acknowledge means every good thing in my life is a result of God working in me. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And when we recognize and acknowledge God, Every good thing in my life is because of you. I'm going to thank you and praise you and worship you because of the fact that you are doing good things in my life. But we're also acknowledging to God, I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. I need you. I need a Savior. I need a deliverer, I need a healer, I need a redeemer, I need a friend, I need a rock, I need a shelter, I need a covering, I need a provider. God, I am in need of you. To acknowledge God is to recognize I can't do this on my own. You are God and I am not. We acknowledge that he alone satisfies the longing of our hearts because the knowledge of the Holy One is our greatest pursuit. There is no greater pursuit in our lives than to know God. Than to know God and what He has done in our lives. Let me challenge you here this morning. If you don't know Him, then pursue Him. If you don't know Him, then spend time in His Word. If you don't know Him, then spend time in praise and worship. Because the more you know Him, the more He will reveal Himself to you. So we offer unto God acknowledgement. Lord, I acknowledge who you are, and I acknowledge my deep dependence and need for you. Second of all, we, we offer to God adoration. As we acknowledge God, as we stand in awe of Him, it leads us to loving adoration. The word adore means to regard with utmost esteem. It means to love and respect and honor. Adoration can mean fervent and devoted love. Now I want you to know something this morning. Adoration means more than just saying I love you. Adoration involves a capturing of the whole heart and a capturing of our whole imagination. When we adore God or when we adore an object, when we adore a person, it captures our heart and it captures our imagination. When we are in love, it captures how we think. It captures how we see a person. It captures how we react to a person. If we are in love, we don't have to try to make ourselves think about the object of our adoration. 
we do it naturally, don't we? When we are in love, we don't have to try to stir up some thought or some feeling for the one in whom we are in love with. And because of that, our whole heart, our whole imagination has been captured by this one person, by this one thing. When we say that I adore something, that means that we have literally entered into a place where our entire lives are wrapped around this thing in which we adore. It means that the object of our adoration receives our greatest devotion. It receives our greatest respect. It receives our greatest esteem. It receives our greatest honor. And so, folks, to know God is to adore Him. To know God is to be captured wholeheartedly. It's to be captured in our imagination by the wonder and the beauty and the greatness of God. It is to esteem Him with the highest of honor. It is to, he is to receive our greatest devotion, our greatest respect, our greatest esteem. Because we adore Him, our hearts have been captured by Him. Because we adore Him, no other object on this planet can bring us the satisfaction and the enjoyment that He brings us. No other thing can come and rip away from us that passion to pursue Him and to worship Him and to praise Him. Why? Because we don't just say, I love you, God. We adore you, God. We adore who you are. We adore every facet of your being. We adore everything that you say. We have been captured by the wonder of the beauty of your grace, of the greatness and the majesty of your holiness we are captured by your word we adore you God gosh adoration is is so much deeper than the surface that we experience many times when we talk about the word love and let me say this our level of adoration is a measure of the depth of our knowledge of God the level of our adoration is a measure of the depth of our knowledge of God the more we know him the greater our adoration towards God should become. In other words, if we are not adoring Him, that's an indication that we don't know Him. If we are not captured by Him, if our hearts and our minds are not consumed with Him, then we need to learn to know Him even more. Worship, folks, is a declaration of what has our hearts. Whatever has our hearts is going to come out in worship. Now, I understand when we think of worship, we always think of only that which we attribute to God. And in reality, it should be. But we worship a lot of things. We worship a lot of people. We worship a lot of of events. We, We worship because we give adoration, we give honor to something in our lives. But that is an indication of what has our hearts. So that means that what we adore is what we will serve. What we adore is what we will serve. Come on, some of you have known, known teenagers, you guys, I know you've known folks, you probably had friends, you hung out with them all the time, and then they fall in love and you never see them again. That never happened to you? They turn into a brand new person, right? You ever, you ever seen young people that are like, man, I can't stand country music. And then they start hanging around with a group of people that like country music, and a month later they're wearing boots with spurs on them. They're singing Johnny Cash songs. Yeah, they've gone old school country. Not only did I like it now, I'm old school. I don't like the new country. I like the old country. A month ago, you, you were listening to thrash metal. Why? Because who we adore, who we get connected to, who we surround ourselves with, that's who we act like. 
Who we adore is who we serve. And if we will bring an offering of adoration to God, if we will live a lifestyle of adoration to God, then serving him becomes easy. We offer to God adoration. Number three, we offer to God appreciation. The King James Version says, With our lips we are to give thanks unto God. Now we all know the Bible emphasizes words. It emphasizes what comes out of your mouth. It emphasizes what you say. We've talked about this. You've heard this. Your words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, You are snared by the words of your mouth. The Bible tells us that we will be judged. By our words, we will be justified. And by our words, we will be condemned. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means if there's an abundance of something in you, it will come out. If it doesn't come out in what you say, there's not an abundance in your heart. If you never tell anyone, hey, I love you, there's not an abundance of love there. If we never say, God, I worship you, I praise you, I thank you for what you're doing in my life, there's not an abundance there. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the Bible emphasizes words, and it consistently places emphasis on the words of praise and worship. Our words reveal our hearts. And if we know God, if we adore God, our lips will speak our thanksgiving. Appreciation reminds us of who we trust. It reminds us of our blessings and the source of our blessings. And appreciation always leads us away from focusing on self. When we take the time out to appreciate what God has done in our lives, when we take time out of our life to give thanks unto God and speak it out of our mouths, because there's something powerful, folks, about speaking faith-filled words of thanksgiving unto God. There's something that I believe that literally sets the spiritual world on fire when the people of God open up their mouth and begin to praise and give thanks unto God. The Bible tells us that praise is literally a two-edged sword in our mouth, that it is our praise that steals the avenger. That when we speak words of thanksgiving in our lives, not only are we declaring to God our need for Him, not only are we saying, God, I'm no longer going to focus on me and the things that I need to complain about and the things that I need to worry about and the things that I need to fear and the things that I need to point out and the things that I've done wrong. Instead, I'm going to focus on your goodness. I'm going to declare your thanksgiving. I'm going to talk to you, God, and praise you. But it also sets the kingdom of darkness on notice. You don't have my heart. What you do to me does not affect my thanksgiving for God. What you do to me does not affect my appreciation for what God has done. I may not understand where I'm at, but I can tell you this much, I'm not where I used to be. I may not be where I want to be, but I can tell you this much, once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I may not like the situation I find myself in, but one day, not too many years ago, Jesus Christ came into my life and radically changed me and said, Set me free. I've been born again. I have every reason to show my appreciation to God. I've been born again. I can lift my hands every day because of that one simple fact. 
We live too much of our lives saying to God, what have you done for me lately? I'm not talking about Paul Abdul. We live too much of our lives saying, God, when's the last time you did something for me? You're saved. You're saved. We need to appreciate that. Someone asked George Whitfield, who's one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived, they asked George Whitfield, why do you preach so much on the, the statement, you must be born again? And his answer was, because you must be born again. <laughs> what do we need to rejoice over? We rejoice over the fact that we're saved. We rejoice over the fact that God's for us and not against us. We rejoice over the fact that He has blessed our lives. We appreciate this. We give thanks because of what He's done. We will not take advantage, folks, of His grace. Nor will we take for granted His blessings in our lives. Thanksgiving reminds us of what God has done. And honestly, folks, one of the, the best steps to victory is just remembering. One of the first steps to getting out of your hole of discouragement, your hole of defeat, is to just remember. Remember what God has done for you. Remember when He was there for you. Remember when He got you out of that last situation you were praying for. Remember that time that He healed you, that He delivered you. Remember that time He saved your life. Remember that time he saved your, your loved one. Remember that time he healed that one that you were believing God for. Just remind yourself of the goodness of God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works unto the children of men. Oh, that we would bless the Lord for his goodness. I will remember, and therefore I will rejoice. Now here's the thing. Thanksgiving really is a sign of a growing and mature faith. It's not a mature faith to give thanks to God after the fact. Who can't do that? Everybody does that. Oh, well, I don't know. I take that back. There's a lot of people that just don't know how to say thank you. Can I get an amen? No matter what you do, they never say thanks. Right? Here's a million dollars. Hmm. Because huh. they act like they deserve it, right? It's about time you gave me a million dollars. I always deserved that. But typically, it's easy for us to give thanks when good things are coming into our lives. But it's a sign of mature faith when we can consistently offer to God appreciation. God, I'm going to praise you in the middle of it. I'm going to praise you when I'm blessed, and I'm going to praise you when I'm down. I'm going to praise you when things are going great, and I'm going to praise you when things are not going great. I'm going to praise you in the middle of it. Thanksgiving is literally a door to consistent blessing. It is a door to consistent freedom in our lives. You want to overcome discouragement. You want to overcome negative thoughts. You want to overcome those, those things in your life that consistently make you see the world in a negative way. Then live a grateful life. Amen. Live a life of appreciation. Amen. Appreciate what God has done in our lives. Some of us just need to be grateful for the fact that we're alive and grateful for the fact that we had a mom or a dad or a grandmother or a grandpa that prayed for us. And the reason why we're still here today is because somebody made the sacrifice to knock down the door of heaven and pray and plead the blood of Christ over you. And you're here today because of that simple blessing. You ought to be appreciative of that. Amen. Appreciative of the fact that today you're here because you could get here. Appreciative of the fact that we're sitting in a sanctuary that's kind of warm and we're all about to doze off. Sitting in padded pews, 
When there are believers all over the world that don't know if they're going to see tomorrow. Come on. We need to get out of this hole that we live in. And recognize how appreciative we should be. And finally, when we offer our praise to God, we offer our allegiance. We offer our allegiance. Here's, here's the reality. The heart of worship is the act of submission. The, the heart of worship is not a song. It's not even a, an action. It's not a lifting of our hands or a dance or a shout. The heart of worship is submission. When it comes down to it, worship is simply the giving of ourselves to God. And that's why I've always said that the best definition for worship is not song, it's giving. The best definition of worship is giving. And that doesn't just mean money, which obviously it, it can. But just the giving of ourselves, the giving of the, our talents, the giving of our gifts is the simplest definition of worship. We sing because of what has happened on the cross. We give our songs of praise and thanksgiving because our hearts have declared our allegiance to the one who has rescued us. Which means that now our obedience becomes our ultimate form of worship. To obey is better than sacrifice. So to obey is the best sacrifice of praise that we can give. See, allegiance has to do with loyalty. If you have pledged your allegiance to something, you have pledged your loyalty. It has to do with devotion. It has to do with commitment. It has to do with faithfulness. When we're talking about allegiance, we're talking about a loyal, committed faithfulness to the object of which we have declared our allegiance. Allegiance means you belong to another, and your service is motivated, therefore, by your loyalty and your faithfulness. Your service is motivated by not what that object can do for you. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's allegiance. So we're not motivated by what God can do for us. We are motivated by what we can give to God. Our allegiance to God is not based upon the fact that He's going to do something for us. Our allegiance to God is based simply upon the fact that our hearts have been rescued, we have been saved, we belong to Him, we are a part of a different kingdom, and we will live our lives in faithful, committed devotion to Him. Amen. Church, we are of a different kingdom. Our loyalty lies with a different king. That's why we are at odds with the world. That's why we should be at odds with the world. That's why we should be going against the flow of political correctness or going against the flow of the overarching idea that is anti-God or anti-Christian. We have to recognize that our loyalty belongs to another kingdom. And I will say that our loyalty belongs to another kingdom even if the person that you love is a Republican or even if the person you love is a Democrat. My loyalty belongs to a kingdom. My loyalty belongs to God. My loyalty belongs to the one who saved me and redeemed me and set me free. You know what I pray after every election? Even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> I, I pray it when I cast my vote. Well, there you go. Jesus, help us. I mean, that's all you can do sometimes. 
Even when you vote, well, I guess I'll vote for them. Why did I vote for them? <laughs> you ever had that happen? You ever walked away from the voting booth and you're like, can I, can I have another go at that? Can I, can I go again? <laughs> it's like, are there anybody else on the list? These are the only people, right? Our allegiance has to do with our, with our loyalty. And you know what? Circumstances don't alter our allegiance. We don't look at circumstances to decide who we're loyal to. You know, I lived in Columbus, Ohio for four years. And before I went to Columbus, Ohio, I didn't like the Ohio State Buckeyes. And after living there for four years, I hated the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> Amen. Because... Even though I was surrounded by Buckeye fans, I refused to give in to my circumstances. I will not change my loyalty to root for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, if you're a Buckeye fan, there's an altar. We'll do some business with God. I'm just kidding. But I appreciate diehard fans simply because of that. We, we stay loyal because that's who we cheer for. The good times, the bad times, when they win, when they lose. We all recognize here this morning that something happened yesterday we didn't want to happen. Right? If you're a West Virginia fan. If you're not a West Virginia fan, you were like, <laughs> Right? And we all recognize now that the basketball season is going to be a long season. Right? But you know what? I'm still going to watch the games. Probably still going to spend too much for a ticket and go up to Morgantown and watch one. Why? Because I'm a loyal fan. Now, obviously, if I can be loyal to WVU, who's done nothing for me, <laughs> literally nothing, does not care a lick about me, obviously, don't you see what you're doing to me? I had country rows queued. Too bad. So sad. If I can be loyal to a sports team, I mean, some of you Cowboys fans, you've won one playoff game since 1996. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Cowboys fan too, so. We're loyal, we're loyal to a, we are loyal to the death, to sports. We look like goofballs screaming at the television. Don't we? We look like morons. What are you doing? Sit down. Your children are watching you. <laughs> Come on now. But if we can be loyal to that, can we not be loyal to the one who has rescued our lives, that has saved us, that has redeemed us, that does do everything for us, that is for us and not against us? And not allow circumstances or the seasons that change in our lives or the wins and the losses that we have in our life to determine my allegiance to the one who has saved me. Come hell or high water, the one who died and rose again is worthy of my loyalty, my honor, my esteem, my praise. May I offer him my allegiance. 
Because the object that is worthy of allegiance gets my loyalty in the hard times and in the good times. Because he's God and because he's good, we humbly bow to his way and to his purpose. We say, God, if I submit myself to you, if I live a life of obedience, I am offering my praise unto you. And because you're God and because you're good, all I can do is humbly bow and declare, how great is my God. We are the redeemed who belong to a God that loves us, that's for us, that wants the best for our lives. And our offering of praise springs from this reality. This reality that God loves us and is for us. Our offering of praise is our sacrifice as we declare His Lordship over our lives. So let us recognize this morning that this is a lifestyle of offering. This is a life of praise. Why? Because He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And we live for His glory, and we live for His honor, and we live for His fame. Let my life make you famous, God. Let my life make you famous, Jesus. Let my life lift up your name, because if his name is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, how grateful we are for the opportunity to praise you as a, as a fellowship here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our worship team who works so hard and, and, and uses their gifts and prepares themselves not only through practice, but prepare themselves through prayer and through personal worship and seeking of God, that we might be able to come in here on a Sunday morning and just enjoy singing songs of praise to you. And it's one of, the, one of my favorite times of the week when we get to come into this sanctuary and just sing. Just sing from our heart. Sing and lift our hands to the one who's worthy of our praise. God, how good and how great it is for us to give thanks unto the Lord. And so we give you praise here this morning. But Lord, we don't want to just be praisers on Sundays. We want to be praisers with our lifestyle. We want to be an offering of praise unto you. We want to offer unto you, O God, our absolute total allegiance to what you have said and what you have done. We will bow our hearts before you and say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And so this morning, Lord, we do bring an offering of adoration, an offering of appreciation, because we acknowledge and recognize how good and how awesome you are.